This episode, I interview Andy Rycroft. Listen in as he describes the benefits of creating content on the fly based on the feedback you've just got from your client. The benefit of that is, is that you you deliver much more relevant information and you show a lot more vulnerability. Um, And and in doing so, and people going on that journey with you, there's there's more of a connection. Uh, You're a lot more human. Welcome to the Telling of Story podcast. I'm your host, Storyteller Jules, and along with my guests, it's my endeavour to explore the art and science of storytelling to attract, engage, and retain a business audience, and to unpack why it works for some and not for the many that try. Today, it is my pleasure to interview Andy Rycroft. Andy, for many years, has been a designer and creative director working in the UK, Italy, and Australia fine-tuning his craft towards the business value of creative services, managing designers and outcomes, and then into sales and marketing management for corporates. After more than 20 years of bringing design value to business, Andy has now flipped his attention to bringing business thinking to creatives and artists, choosing to design coaching programs for artists and creatives who want to create income and value from their talent and experience. Andy, welcome to the show. Many thanks, Jules. I really appreciate it. Andy, you started as a designer. How did you end up in a suit and where were you on that journey? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious um, decision or journey. I think it just, it just evolved. But, I mean, how it evolved is we, we start off with um, a skill and a talent with, with design and you go to uni and you, you, you have a great time and you explore all the ends of where your creativity didn't go. But... Once you come out in the real world, I think it's very difficult to know where you fit and how to actually um, actually get along with a bigger business and work with a team on a, on a different outcome. So it's a lot less about self and more about others. And, and as I progressed through that, I realized that the, the others needed a lot of management. So um, I think I, I moved more towards managing designers and managing design outcomes and um, by nature, you, you just that just scales when you're, you're in a creative business. I don't think it matters what you apply your creativity to. If, um, if it works, it, it does scale, it does grow. So uh, I ended up getting more and more responsible for outcomes and other people. And I'm a protagonist, so I, I tend to take, take that on, take on other people's um, desires the customers needs uh and look at other people so i think it was just my that that was my nature at the uh the time and and yes i did end up in a suit in the end it quite quite made me smile certainly made my mother proud i think (laughs) and after 20 years what made you sort of flick the switch and and decide to go out on your own was there an event or that played a part in that that process or was it a natural progression to to take everything that you've learned and then apply your craft to to yourself the value that i found in 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 really marketing and selling what creative people can can do for a for a business in really tangible terms it it takes quite a lot of um wrapping your head around how can you position that value on something you're not sure about and the creative process is an unsure process you're not entirely um visible what the outcome is going to be anytime in project so I think the challenge was just to to really stay conscious uh, with that and and grow into that area of 
of uh, looking at what the um, behaviors of the team were and what the outcome needed to be for the customer. And I think flipping it back now was, I just realized how much value there was in business for designers and going on further, illustrators and artists. Uh, so, you know, they're polar opposites, you would think, but they both have a considerable overlap. Uh, designers really think of things very holistically a lot of the time. They also are, are serving um, a customer for a need to promote one thing or another. So they have an, uh, a lot of empathy. Um, and that empathy drives uh, drives a different kind of behavior over time, I think, to, to really look at the people around you, the environment, what kind of studio, how do we bring people into this environment? How do we translate what is business to creative and back again? Um, and, and that always fascinated me. So I got to working with a lot more designers over the last four or five years, and it really lit my uh, uh, my fire for, for really reaching out and getting them going because at the end of the day, um, nine times out of ten, a designer is is paid either a salary or by the hour to do the work that they're doing, and uh, that's how they sustain themselves. So I wanted to see if there was something more um, because, as you probably know, uh, a designer that's been in a role for 10, 15, 20 years really um, struggles to turn on the creativity and really allow enough time for themselves to be truly creative, it, it tends to dwindle unless it's uh, continuously moving. So I started helping designers and then I started helping my wife, who's a published illustrator, done, done a dozen or more books, and um, applying some of the thinking about how you formulate an idea, how you uh, plan for it, how you look at what return from it you need and the support that you need around it. And we started working together. Um, and, of course, when we did that um, and, and launched that side of her career online, a lot more people wanted to know how we did that. So I just felt it was the opportunity to give people an insight into the journey we were having, having being only one or two steps ahead of it. And so you're almost learning on the fly and then using that as, as part of your process to, to help others yeah. to do that as well? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, 100%. The, the experience I had of, of, of university was to, to, to spend a lot of protected time learning about something and enjoying it. But um, learning as you're doing a project means very often now you're, you're, you're testing and you're, you're finding out. And the feedback needs to drive the design and that needs to drive the project as well. So there's an enormous amount of compromise and change that happens while you're moving. And, um, you know, you can embrace that or you could, you know, hire a very rigid project manager to keep you right on track. But, I mean, I, I've been in, immersed in that kind of agile methodology for the last four or five years in business and, um you know, why wouldn't you apply that to, to other areas? Um, so, yeah, we very much lay the track as, we, as the train goes along, and sometimes it gets a little bit scary. Mm. It's a bit like a Wallace and Gromit uh, image has come into my mind, but it's, it's a little bit like that. But um, the benefit of that is, is that you, know, you deliver much more relevant information and you show a lot more vulnerability um, and, and in doing so, and people going on that journey with you, there's uh, there's more of a connection. 
Now you're a lot more human. So I want to I want to come back to that human element in a second, but can you describe for me the either the differences or the similarities in a lot of the learnings that you had over the twenty year corporate career versus some of the things that you're trying to do now? Is there an overlap? Are they completely polar opposites, or is there some learnings that you you've taken from the corporate world into into the creative space? Corporate world moves um, a lot slower. You know, um, so it's a lot more time to realize what is going on, and there's a lot more moving parts and a lot more people. Uh, so, a lot more um, risk contingency. So, yes, there's a lot I've learned, but a lot of it is quite damaging to a creative. <laughs> so, some of it I really needed to hang on to, and some of it not so much. But I'm specifically talking about uh, design thinking and the tools within that allow a visualization to occur in the business world mind maps journey maps things like this allow you all to connect back to a more visual uh, making a mark on a whiteboard kind of experience so yeah I definitely used a lot of those things because um, when you put a mind map in front of a creative who is overwhelmed and they've got a thousand ideas but they don't know the right path they don't know the first one they don't know why that one's better than that one then, yeah, things like mind maps and connectivity and, and building out some plans of action and working up personas and characters. They're just like, you know, actors on a stage. So it does translate really well. You just, it's just, a, it is a literal translation of language. So, yeah, we use Lean Canvas and, and that sort of thing to express a creative idea because you can get to that idea real quick, try it out real quick and not feel precious about it. Um, and start again and an artist is very capable of showing up every day and drawing on a piece of paper not knowing that it's going to work out and being quite happy to throw it in the bin afterwards too so I think I tried to leverage a bit of both sides to to make that happen but a lot of it was translation. So from a creative perspective was it a matter of enabling them with the structure that perhaps they didn't have to get that creative process out so it's the art and again kind of the art and the science mixed in together and getting that balance right so that they're able to produce at the high quality level from a creative perspective but do it with the diligence of a you know corporate sort of structure if that makes sense yeah 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 that's exactly it the but the structure is is exactly you know if you're structured about doing a piece of art then it's very in, it inhibits the creativity in front of you so the structure is more so about creating the environment that they can do it in the time and having the support of the people around them uh, that understand the value at its highest level of value um, of why they're doing it and what it can do for other people so yeah the, the structure that, uh, that that we've really focused in on is to um, not plan a creative's life within an inch of their life because they'll run a a mile real fast but it's more more like um just recognizing some things and creating some space to allow for it to happen thinking about time rather than disappearing and and having a secret project having a public project and not disappearing but just going away for a period of time to allow something to to happen in that space and preparing for that something to happen too so yeah there's there's a lot of things that can really work for a creative, but 
the the, the structure word and the money word are, are two words that we tend to tend to not avoid but just just look at differently so you mentioned the human element so coming back to that that comment that you had how big a part does that play when you're telling your story or telling the story of building a practice and you know putting some structure around things that perhaps they're not used to putting structure around but leaving that space so they can be creative what's the, tell me a bit about that human side and and how that plays a part in the story of of how it all comes together yeah well i think a lot of us uh, associate creativity or fun or play with um an earlier time in our life I mean, many of the the habits that we've got have come from play and the experiences of them. So I think what I try to do uh, is just celebrate that. Um, the human side, you know, you've got, you've got three or four core problems of, of uh, creative that wants to actually be an entrepreneur, wants to actually do their own thing and, and just say, look, I'm an artist. This is me on my own right. I'm valuable. There's a few things. They, they get very overwhelmed um, with a lot of ideas. They are often uh, struggle for time. Uh, and struggle for uh, self-confidence as well. Am I good enough? And right now with, with, with so much imagery available to us um, in such visual media, uh, such as Instagram and everything, it's, it's very difficult for people to look at and see their value and their place in that and see what's different about what they have to offer. So I think with all of those things, there's a, you've got to celebrate the human and that vulnerability and that not knowing quite what to do about those things. So. We tend to we tend to look at the um, the hero within, you know, with those those great moments, those really really cool things where you found out something, or you really enjoyed something, or you were terrified and then it was great. And I'm I'm thinking about you jumping off the pier, Jules. We've had this combo a, a couple of times, but it's that excitement as a child of not knowing and feeling pressure and and uh, then then enjoying the experience and, and just moving up a level, changing, uh, witnessing change within yourself and then doing it again. So it, that's, that's really the human side of it. It's what is really that moment for you as a younger person, as a child, or maybe even last week, that really defines you, not more so devi- defining, but I think really showed you that what you're capable of and what you're possible of. So we try to celebrate that human side of it, the vulnerability of all of those things that I mentioned, plus the kind of super strengths that you've got. And um, we encourage people to just work with that. Uh, the, the humanity of it is, is that we all need to find a place within this world where we feel balanced. Um, and if you're a creative and you're stuck in a desk job, you're not going to have that. So there's a, there's a kind of a bigger... There's a bigger balance thing that, I, that we, you know, we really wanted to focus in on that human side, which is you are creative, you have value, you have a superpower, strength of some kind. It's normally because you've found joy in doing something else. And that's what we're going to work with and apply that with your creative capability and go out there and, and, and get it done. So that, that was quite when we when we figured a couple of these things out, all we wanted to do was try it out and see if that idea was even viable. Was even like what what on earth were we talking about when we were thinking about that? The only way we really knew was to capture it, and of course that that's where things like the link canvas comes in. And, and we we did that real quick, and we decided to try it out, see what happened, and how people would respond to that kind of 
Thank you. So having made the leap and forming your own business is is a quite scary for a lot of people and one of the bigger struggles always is, you know, the first bunch of clients, attracting an audience, uh, holding yeah. that audience, retaining that audience for any, any period of time, engaging that audience. Describe for me the early part of the process when you first sort of ventured into this direction what that sort of looked like and and the first you know bit of tribe that you were gathering and then you know more later did that change has that developed what does that look like now if if it's different describe for us yeah. if, if you're venturing in a, in this direction how do you get those first few players to come along and and join for me it, it's fundamentally the other way around. With with business, you tend to have this is our business division, this is our target, this is what we're going to do. You you get us there, you know, you people that know marketing and sales, and you get us there. That's your job, right? So I, I knew how to do that. But going and starting this business, I didn't have any metrics to work with at all. I didn't even really have a target in mind. I was just thinking, what are the measures here? What is important to know? And once I can fix down on one or two of these, then surely there's scale there because there's enough enough people. And, and you know, I'd read about niches or niches, as they call them in the US, and, uh, and micro niches and this idea that there are enough specialised people, if you get at that type and you find the right people, then they will be coming to you for that one thing, and and that's that's very loyal. That's that that's the holy grail of it all. And I thought, wow, that's a that's a really interesting contrast. So I can do anything I want, rather than serving the audience with a product that I think will sell and a target that I need to hit. And I flipped it the other way around to think, well, are there enough people? interested in this one thing and the only way you can find out is to actually put it out there so we off the back of um off the back of a summit at the end of last year where um we we invited a lot of uh, artists and creatives to talk about productivity and how they manage their time and life it it really sparked um a bunch of questions for, for nina and i and we pulled together a five-day challenge during the summit which is the laying the tracks of the train um, very much so. So we invited people to this challenge that we had an outline of. Um, when you bring four or 500 people into a room and you say, we've got a challenge and we've just made it up and we've made it up because that's what you guys have been talking about and we've recognised these things, then then that all of a sudden for me, the analyst is going mad, thinking it's wonderful, I'm going to get this information. And the promoter in me is thinking, there's 400 people here. What if they bought something, a product, a thing? So this was an extremely warm set of leads because they were giving an hour a day of their time over a week to something that we had just literally made up or cobbled together um, for them specifically. And I thought, wow, this is an incredible connection with a bunch of customers. Now, flip that back to corporate world imagine you go to a conference and you talk and you have a great thing and during that talk you realize that the audience is responding in a way and you bring them along to an idea do you think out of a 
a packed Sky City um, conference center, for instance, which can't even happen right now. Do you think 400 people will come along to a, an idea and then be receptive to spending their own time doing it to discover something about themselves to then go and invest in a program that you create on the fly during the challenge as well? And that's when it really hit me uh, how different it was and how engaged the audience were and how fundamentally a part of the creation of it they were and that's really what did it for me I, I really enjoyed that whole process scary as it was how how important was it or is it to be as transparent as you've just described it or was there a little bit of smoke and mirrors did it appear like you knew what you're doing or were you totally transparent and vulnerable in that process how important was yeah, it? Well, <laughs> Um, you, you can try and be slick because you can imagine at that point I'm transitioning from, you know, wearing the suit to wearing not the suit and going through this journey with creatives and thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm in control here. So the controller of me takes over and I, yeah, well, here's the program. It's really good. It's a good workbook. It'll provide you with these results. Isn't it fantastic? And the typical sales thing kicks in. But you try doing that when you've got an interactive audience um, and it, you soon come undone. It's hard. Or if you don't, it's incredibly hard work. It, I found really early that it's much better to be totally authentic and um, not edit and not, not worry about the uh, controlling the environment as much as I had done in corporate past when you've got a team and there's a pitch and it's important for the well-being of the company and a bunch of other people. So for us this time around, it was it was remarkably different in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, you've described it beautifully when you said that you were um, f you had an audience in mind and type of person that you wanted to help, and then built the right product for them to solve a problem that they had, as opposed to many corporates who will build a product and then go look yeah. for. A person who wants to buy that yeah um, so it's a very different process right so we're very, very fortunate though we're not manufacturing anything we don't have to uh we don't have to go through all of that but asking your audience what do you want is also fraught with problems too but um we took a lot of steers and i asking asking for a lot of feedback all the time is really beneficial um i guess a hone your message we didn't even know our correct audience demographic to start with of course you, you wouldn't if you haven't had a single customer you can only guess so you make a couple of assumptions on these things and you start asking questions and you start putting out questionnaires and feeding the information back in it's it, it was quite obvious who the target audiences were um and we're very transparent with them because we want to know more about them it's not it's not like we know who you are and it's a secret and we don't want to know any more about you we just want to you know sell you something it's it's not at all like that it's there's a common set of problems for a common type of person and uh we have we have two uh clear personas that overlap really well in their behavior and um you know that's come out of feedback as well there's a couple of famous uh quotes that come to mind one was from henry ford who said if i asked the audience what they wanted they would have said a faster horse 
that was one that came to mind. And the other one that comes to mind is, you know, if, you, if you're trying to design a, a unicorn with a committee, uh, you end up with a donkey with stripes and, and pink ears, right? So what? how dangerous is it to ask too many questions of the audience? Um, do they really know what they want? Or is there a bit of direction that you need to maintain and a bit of strength when it comes to, to, to the design and the delivery of something that's valuable to the to the majority, I guess, rather than individuals? I guess it's, it's different uh, depending on what, what you're offering, right? If you're offering a skill, um, you'll have people sign up for to, to learn something, come and go. Um, and that's that. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but I think finding out why people need to learn that skill and what fundamental challenge that they've got and, and why they think that's going to solve it and where they want to be and then looking at the audience that has achieved that result and then looking at the difference between the two. And there's your program in the middle somewhere or product, whichever way you want to describe it. But we, we really found that, that it was important for us to kind of know the journey they, they wanted to go on and what it meant to them and maybe how long they'd been in that place. You know, typical kind of uh, sales enrollment kind of stuff. You know, what is your biggest challenge and why is that a challenge and why is that a challenge and what does that mean and what does it do to you and what does it do to the people around you and then build it back up again into that vision of what you're trying to achieve, what, what is possible for your, for your art. And if you don't know that, tell us about the feeling that it gives you and, and what that, what that you know, potential might be. Wouldn't you like to spend more time in that? Wouldn't you like to be sustainable or wealthy from that? Or wouldn't you like to impact other people so i think it was just it was just really going into the challenge that they had more um and then looking at people that had overcome those challenges and seeing what the difference was and, and what their behaviors were on a day-to-day basis and what their first kind of moments of this is worth it that this investment i'm making this idea that i'm pushing this this uh, thing that's going to take up a lot of time maybe even i have to stop my job or maybe i have to you know, enroll my partner to support this and maybe some friends and stuff like that, get a, whatever it is, I've got to now ask all these people of that. So even articulation of an idea for, for many creatives is, is nearly impossible. Why are you doing it? You know, that sort of thing. So you've talked a lot about authenticity. You've talked a lot mm. about getting feedback and using that feedback as your fuel to then sort of get to the next stage. Yeah. What, what other things are there any other factors that are super important when you're when you're building an audience you know such as the, you know the frequency of the contact for example or the quality of the content or your attitude or is there something else that plays a big part in building that audience and that trust we are we are so learning this as we go right but we, we're on we're on lots of uh, learning courses we're reading a lot we're experiencing a lot because we're signing up for everything as well. I don't know. I, th- I think there is, um, you, ha- you have to have an authenticity about it. And if you have a difference in the way that you communicate, then that's just uh, another point of difference, which can actually work in your favor or against you. So I don't think there's any right or wrong, but there are, there are lots of pipeline kind of um, methods, formulas, ideas that you can use to engage with your audience. And, and of course, there's loads of channels. Um, some are more effective than others. Some are more engaging than others. Some of them have more transaction about them. But yeah, yeah, we we 
we chose to build um, our email channel. It's a, it's a really high converting place where we can have a regular conversation, but we can also um, break out of that regular conversation with things that we're doing or things that we're involved with that relate to it. So we find email channel really good. And, um, uh, and the messaging and frequency of that is fairly regular. Um, and as we build towards events, we're doing an online event at the moment. And, and as we build towards these things, it crescendos into this activity and questionnaires and more for more feedback. And then we'll spill out onto other media, like we'll do a, a Facebook group or something like that. Um, public or private, we'll try to generate more feedback so that we know when we do do the event that it's something that is going to is going to hit the mark and maybe maybe have a conversation that's a little different from other ones that are out there which are typically teaching you a skill in art or craft or design um we're, we're really trying to answer you know why why creatives invest time in in doing that what made them uh, break out into that when could they stop their day job how do they think about productivity that kind of stuff so yeah we're trying to we're trying to feed that information back into the community and grow that email um, base um, and the frequency of it is yeah it's, it's reasonably regular as i say uh, tone absolutely authentic it's too hard to do anything else video definitely um my my first ever video straight to camera without anyone else interviews or other i didn't get past the first five seconds and it really this is genuine number 97 takes of doing it so i i just can't do it i just cannot go in front of camera but i can talk and interview so i think i think finding that style sort of defines your your frequency and you might want to find a new frequency of communication or a new tone if you want to niche down your audience as well. So when you uh, plan out content and the delivery of such, do you actually sit down, have a process, you know, do you create it ahead of time and then, you know, put the, the effort into the technology and all the bits and pieces and then distribute it? Or is it a lot more just in time kind of content where you're learning and listening from your audience and then on the back of that, you know, producing a piece of content and getting it straight out there. What's your thought process around around that? Well, at the moment, all content fits under the same kind of category. It's kind of required, needed, is it, and question mark. And um, it's also bro- breaking down into what we can automate, which is really valuable to a customer because it's relevant, quick, and straight away, and what is um, something, of, uh, um, something that we respond to or something that we actually need to regularly keep people involved with the program of work. So, yeah, look, I, I, I think it's becoming much more refined all the time for us. I'd like to focus as much as possible on what is, um, what is current and what is the actual discussion and try and achieve the feedback because within that, that will give us an idea of what the next event or product will be. Uh, and then we'll, we'll really dive and mine into those areas to see um, you know, w- whether there's a real value in that and then we'll try and make the choice. But the, the program of, um, of communications is, is so much more and so much more possible than life within corporate and an email and a phone. 
So it's much more dynamic and we can do so much more with it. And there's so many more platforms that we can play with. And of course, as there's only two of us in this directing this company, um, we can make decisions really quickly. So yeah, a program exists. We, we work, we work together on, you know, Trello and time planning and planning way and things like that. So just make sure that we're not overloading people and that we have two businesses, right? So, and they're overlapped. So we don't want to overlap too much in the, in the wrong way. We want to also find our own rhythm with our family and our own downtime too. So all considerations are on the table and, um, you know, we go through periods of stepping back from this and looking at all the things and then reassembling it and getting tight and then breathing again. So it's probably a cycle of, I guess it's fundamentally changed three or four times in the last year. So that seems to be our cycle. Every quarter we we really look at how we're laying it out, what can be automated, what's the bigger message that we're, that we're trying to put out there, how do we actually react and engage um, rather than just market. So, yeah, they, people want a lot of you time, you know, so we, we, we're very generous with that. My calendar's open to a few hundred people at any given moment um, to book a time with me to talk through a, uh, either a block or an issue or an idea that then possibly will lead into the programs that we offer. So I'm open. I'm open for that. And that's very, very different to corporate world working in sales or marketing. Of course you're open, your telephone's there, but no one ever calls you. (laughs) The traffic's always the other way around. (laughs) Is there a danger, you know, with all the platforms available, with all this openness, with all this transparency, is there a danger of, you know, complete overwhelm, uh, you know, no no balance between life and work, uh, and you know, just getting the, the stress of it all, getting too much. What's how how are you placed? Yeah, totally, totally. I was talking talking with an author this morning about exactly that, um, and them going into a book for a couple of years process, big process, a lot of isolation, a lot of internalization, a lot of working on their their own thing without really getting reward or feedback through the way really hard thing i wouldn't dream of doing it myself but you know to to have to have um an area you go into where you're that isolated i think it's it's a it's a different area to uh us moving forwards and trying to communicate with it with our audience and try and build product as we as we move into that so i think um I think there's, there's, we're, we're just looking forwards to a way of suiting our customer and changing our product to adapt to that. And by that, I mean keeping to the one thing, the one core idea. And, and the, the biggest change for me was when do I announce this? How do I say this? I'm on LinkedIn over here as a professional. I am over here as a creative coach working with a brand new audience. So at what stage do I tell each other about these <laughs> these new personality types and how do I communicate? I think that's one of the biggest and strangest transitions. Like um, at what time are you that new thing and you've left that other thing behind or can they coexist or how does it work and what do you say to people? So it was very, very difficult in the early time to really get the message clear about what that was and, and um, to 
ask for help essentially and to have people involved in that process of uh, of transitioning from one totally different career space and and language and headspace and everything else into another i think that was the the more difficult transition where did you land on that like what's your if you were to describe are, are you still having those two juxtapositions of of personality if you like the corporate Andy and the creative Andy, or is it now blended into one? Are you do you call yourself a thought leader in this process? What's the personal brand now look like? Yeah, the personal brand now is is I'm really um, I can offer value in in any space. I can offer it to the corporate. I can offer it to the the creative, and that's exactly what I've 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 learned. I can do either or both potentially at the same time. It's it's really about providing value around uh, creatives and allowing them to actually be productive and provide value to corporates, to the um, public, to themselves. So I think it it plays well. I think it plays well together. Um, I would describe myself as as just someone that's that is a creative but it's not as a graphic designer as i used to be it's on i wouldn't say bigger things but it's on different things it's still applying design thinking to different things and different situations so i think it's very transferable so to unlock that in corporates to have corporate people think creatively and allow for unknown and allow for vulnerability and allow for sharing and mess and feedback to occur and quick decisions and choices to be made yeah there's a ton of value there for them um and and you know i've been pushing that for 20 something years now i'm taking some of that back to the creatives and i know that they're responding really well so i don't see why either of them it's it's still just putting a fire under creativity and making that grow that's there's still the same task so i think i'm defined by what i do and um, what I do is both. So I'm, I'm not prepared to put a label on it right now. <laughs> it's joyous to hear the cycle that you've just described there where you started off with a label, you know, 20-odd years ago of creative, and then you probably worked your butt off to to gain some new labels, you know, team leader, manager, director, uh, CEO, you know, you wanted all these, you know, we've all strive for those extra labels and you've come full circle and now you describe yourself as creative once more which is where yes, you've begun for sure for sure i mean because the the labels actually they're they're definitely a, a goal or a trophy aren't they but they, they don't actually mean anything um and you know uh that same label in another company can mean a completely different thing that that's the thing i mean it's it's just like it, it the corporates need the the name tags and the corporate structure to exist and the the modern more faster moving ones have a much flatter structure and broken out into squads bods and you know, all kinds of iterations of, of agile that are now applied to all areas of corporate and it is it's like it's like they've opened the creative box and not really known what what to expect and and it's a time of incredible turmoil but that's not design that's just that's just a means of moving forwards faster without the same um construct of a company 
but it, it allows for a ton of chaos and it allows for a, a, a lot of um, uh, inefficiency, although it's perceived that it will be more efficient. It allows for a, a lot more inefficiency if it's not managed correctly. So for me, there's still a ton of work to be done in to allow creativity to survive within bigger corporates and actually help it drive the way forwards with the customer. Um, and I'll never stop on that journey. No way. But um, for, for creatives at the moment, I'm seeing, I'm seeing creatives that, that make well over a million dollars, um, you know, and they're, and they're selling their talent on mass as a digital product that has 98% margin and they're able to do it. And they've got a 10,000 email list and they're, they're growing and they've got a team of people. And you think, hang on, this is, this is someone that makes pottery. They're making as much as a CEO. They're behaving like a CEO and they've really figured it out. And what's more is they absolutely love it because they get to create a business that, they, that then gives them a job doing exactly what they are designed to be as a human being. So if <laughs> the ones that have set it up really well, and we're, not, we're, we're only talking people that have been trying to do this for five, some of them 10 years, but they're really rare. So it's really, a, a, that, and I just thought there's more growth in that than there is in creativity and growth in corporates right now. And I'm more interested in that. I'm more interested in that sort of post-COVID revolution of creatives and creators getting out there and the audience that is wanting and missing something in their life that want to get on a journey with these people. Fabulous, Andy. My final question for the day. If someone paid you a million dollars to pick your brain, but you only had a few minutes, what would you say to them? I'd say, uh, yeah, go for as many things that give you that fizz, that feeling and of unsure and unknown, and um, know that they're not going to kill you. You're going to learn uh, a lot from doing that. I think be creative in everything you do. Think about what it is tied to as you as a person. What do you stand for? Not just as values and stuff like that, because they're the same values that everyone's going to have. But what really are your values and why are they your values? Because of what and what what's underneath it all. And when you have that, then you're going to get to your authentic self. And what you've got to do then is find out how many people actually like that. And that goes for whether you're within a corporate or whether you're outside of a corporate and you're a creative entrepreneur. I think the most important thing is to know that, yes, you can follow the script and read a book and be very intelligent and you can be the smartest developer in the room, etc. All of these things are, are really awesome. However, uh, it doesn't mean really anything if, if there's no bigger purpose there and you don't know why you're doing it and it doesn't fit with anything else. You can be smart. But um, I think I think it's much more powerful to be uh, vulnerable. Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview to you today. Where can people find out a little bit more about you? Credit Productivity Online dot online, should I say, is is our website where we do uh, the start of this journey, the start of this work that we're trying to put out to creatives to get them involved, and we're doing events and we're doing summits all the time. So go there and sign up and have a read and have a look at what other people have been experiencing and the effect that we're trying to make uh, and get on board. Thanks, Andy. It's an absolute pleasure, Jules. Thanks, mate. 
I've been following Ellie's progress for some time. What I've learned from watching his business grow is that you must be okay with and even celebrate the little advances you make early on as building a following is a compounding effect. One turns into 10, 10 turns into 100, 100 into 1000 and so on. It's been a joy to watch his growth. If you'd like to find out more, head over to thetellingofstory.com for the show notes. Make sure you are subscribed and please leave me a comment or rating. I really do appreciate it. Much love. Chat soon.